Beyond the Pillion is recorded on the traditional lands of the Kaurna people, and we would like to pay our respects to elders, past and present. Welcome to Beyond the Pillion. My name is Kahiwa Sabaya. I use she, her pronouns, and I am the chaotic one. And I'm Mark Drexler, he, him pronouns. And just remember, although heavy traffic won't be an issue in the post-apocalyptic wasteland, motorbikes are still going to be cool. <laughs> I think Mad Max made that quite clear, for sure. It did. Yeah. It did. And that was oof, 50 years ago now that we've known that. So... Um, <laughs> So when it, it all finally goes to hell, don't worry about city traffic. Incontrovertible truth. Mm. Uh, today, welcome mm. to episode 16. We are talking about riding in built-up areas with lots of traffic, uh, at least by Australian standards, thinking about riding in the city. Mm. Yes, I'm going to be heading over to India next year, just for a couple of days in Delhi. Quick shout out. Hi, Nishi. I uh, look forward to uh, catching up with you there before I then head off to Nepal to ride mountain bikes, uh, sorry, ad- adventure bikes through the Himalayas. Um, so anything that I'm learning now, I really should be starting to think about how I navigate proper traffic, heavy traffic. Very, very heavy traffic, I, I think. Mm. Fortunately, at least for us and, and some of our listeners, um, yeah, mostly here in Australia, riding in the city, um, it's yeah, it can be a big challenge for a lot of new riders in particular, but it is absolutely manageable and certainly a lot less hectic than uh, some of the footage that I've seen um, from places oh. like Delhi and other cities with very, very large populations. Yeah, um, this is the face of fear. <laughs> It looks the same as every other face that you make. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, thanks. My anyway, we won't go into my expressions. I'm the expressive one. You are the stoic one. That's right. Thank you very much. (laughs) Um, I think riding in the city. um, We were talking a little bit about our first experiences riding in the city, Mm. and um, if you have listened to some of the previous episodes, um, you would have heard me talking about. Um, you know, some of the first rides that I had when I first got a bike, a big reason for it was wanting to save time on my commute into the CBD where I was working. Um, and so there's me in my CB125 um, navigating the traffic of, you know, a couple of lanes um, on my very first ride into work. And I remember absolutely being just so terrified and nervous um, for that first ride in. And I think I've got a photo of, of me after the first making it into the city by myself mm. and the eyes are just so big. <laughs> um, but I will say, I, I think that actually was really, really good practice as part of um, getting ready for the advanced rider test uh, mm-hmm. that you do here in South Australia um, for a couple of the basics that we will talk through um, in a moment. That city traffic commuting time was fantastic to have that same route to travel multiple times a week you know very regular very very similar make a few little Mm. changes um and really actually quite confidence boosting for me um I think one of the things that I really enjoyed the most um when I passed the advanced test and got my R8 license being able to then lane filter through traffic was hugely exciting a little bit scary at first um but i think the 
well, the first couple of times I did it, I came home and realised we'd saved about 10 to 15 minutes on my commute just by being able to lane filter. So yeah. that was a huge um, benefit and advantage of actually riding a motorbike. Um, I think the other thing uh, that I actually quite like about riding my motorbike into the city and in those kinds of areas is you can often take advantage of, at least here in Adelaide, free and cheaper parking for motorcycles uh, Mm. compared to uh, parking a car or another larger vehicle. There are quite a few places where there are pockets of free motorbike parks right where you're probably wanting to go shopping or um, to other kind of workplaces or offices. It's really, really handy uh, to ride in those kinds of instances. Mark, what about you? What are your experiences of riding in the city? Um, well, if like trying to remember back to when I first rode a motorbike into the city, like that's pre-internet days, just to give everybody a bit of a hint. Um, so to be honest, I can't remember the first ride that I made into the city. I can certainly, um, so I used to work in the CBD quite a few years back, uh, and I would commute every day into into the city. So all those things that Kahiba was talking about, and we'll touch on later, uh, were absolute benefits. It's been well, at least a couple of years, probably more like, oh no, maybe a, a couple of years since I had been into the city during heavy traffic. And I went mm-hmm. in fairly recently for the first time after, as I say, a year at least, maybe even 18 months off going in, in peak hour traffic. And it really did, um, it struck me that it is a different mindset. It's uh, yeah, you will reuse some of the skills that you know, but there's a whole bunch of extra mm-hmm. stuff when you are riding in um, even moderately heavy traffic mm-hmm. uh, that compared to what you'll need when you're out. Certainly going out riding on a nice happy ride through the hills or even going through suburban traffic. Like when you when you get into the heart of a city, even a small, you know, big country town like Adelaide, um, there is more to consider there that, that we'll talk about. And I'd kind of forgotten that. Mm. Um, and it took me a little while of sort of plotting around there to think, oh, yeah, no brain, switch on, switch mm. on every moment so that was it was a good reminder that there is an additional set of skills that are that you will hone you will build you will master as you start riding more in the city and in heavy heavy traffic so Gaber yeah I think that's a really good point you know we've talked earlier about different types of rides um, you know and that you know, example there of you know going through the hills or somewhere where it might be more twisty turny and you're getting to um, like practice and enjoy riding you know motorbike through corners and how wonderful that feels. Um, you know there are oh. other rides where you're kind of just going fast. <laughs> yep. um, hopefully legally if you're uh, riding on the road, um, but enjoying the benefits of a motorbike. You know at mm. at speed and and that rush of um, the torque and acceleration. And I think within the city and those built up kind of areas, you know the the benefit of that is probably um, you know that nimbleness. It's it's the different kind of situation. Um, than those other types of rides. And I think um, the underlying theme for me is really just that that the basics are all the same. Mm. Um, Whether you're riding in in the city or or any other type of uh, ride, 
you know, the basic things about the technical handling of your bike and managing your speed and your surroundings, they're going to stay the same. Um, and if you are someone who is new or kind of learning how to ride, this is going to be a really great place to practice some of those mm-hmm. basics and practice those maybe under a little bit of pressure, um, which can be really beneficial actually. Mm. And okay, um, well, I'm keen to hear your thoughts on those particular skills, but for me, it very much ties back to a lot of the things that as a rider safe instructor from 23 years ago now, <laughs> a lot of the things that we taught in rider safe, I suspect, are probably the things that you are going to absolutely use every absolutely. single moment on the bike. So what, what would you see as some of the things like those critical core skills that you'll, you'll be working when you get into the city? Yeah, I think for me, the first thing is really slow riding. Um, So managing the bike at slower speeds, um, Mm. keeping it uh, stable um, and consistent. So Mm. in particular, that's about balancing the throttle, the clutch, the rear brake. Um, This is hugely important um, when you are riding in built up areas. Um, Mm. That getting comfort with how your bike does that and being able to go smoothly and practicing going smoothly from, you know, walking pace five, six Ks an hour up to kind of 20, 30 Ks an hour um, can be really important to be able to navigate Mm. smoothly around, you know, cars and a lot of cars in particular that are automatic. So they're a bit more prone to being, I think, stop start um, than Mm. uh, vehicles that might be a manual. So, that slow riding skill is hugely important. Um, and yeah, that's rider safe, uh, the first one, yeah, and also really big the in the advanced ones that, as yeah. well. Yep, spot on. And I think that connects in with um, the other skill, which I think is about um, stopping and starting the bike smoothly. So mm-hmm. coming to a controlled stop, whether that's from you know, a higher speed or a slow speed, and then starting really smoothly as well. Um, and where you're not you know, jerking the bike around and, and moving it around. You're going to likely have to stop and start pretty often in built-up traffic. So mm. thinking about lights, roundabouts, general intersections, just because of the flow of traffic, people coming in and out. Um, and I personally really like to try and avoid having to stop <laughs> if I can um, by slowing down just a little touch earlier and you know slow riding. So trying to as Which much as possible. It comes back to that slow riding stuff, doesn't it? Yeah, trying mm. to trying to be a bit smoother about it. Um, it is a little bit more fuel efficient in some ways, depending on how long you're staying in first gear. But that's a conversation for another day. Mm, yeah. Okay, we can unpack that another day. But yeah. anyway, go on. Um, But I think particularly for me when I was learning how to ride and first riding, the biggest risk of me stalling or jumping um, was when I was starting from a standstill. So that was when I was most likely to stall the bike and then now you're at lights, you've got a whole lot of cars in behind you and there's that stress and that starting to freak out. And so Mm -hmm. if I just avoided that (laughs) where reasonable, um, it – or it just made me feel a little bit more confident moving through um, large groups of vehicles. Yeah, and and I th- I suspect that's probably because if I think 
back to technique and the things that we taught in Rider Safe. Like a, a lot of the stuff in Rider Safe is about knowing your friction zone, mm. your your friction zone, and that's nowhere for those who are new to riding. That's nowhere as dodgy as it sounds. Um, <laughs> you, the, the friction zone of your clutch, I should say. There, uh, yeah. Once you're in that friction zone then being able to hold it in there and balance it where your hand is in a particular position, sorry, I'm trying to hold it together here, uh, is is a lot easier than completely coming to a stop and then having yes. to refind that friction zone. So I think you're onto something there to say slow riding in traffic is going to be easy because you're not having to go back to scratch, start mm. again and refine that spot with the only downside being eventually if, if you try to hold your hand in that particular position, if you've got a heavy clutch, then uh, it is going to start, you know, making your hand fatigue after a while. Mm. So Although anyway, I will, just an observation. I will say for me, holding my my hand and the you know, clutch in more of an active uh, kind of position mm-hmm. in that friction zone is far less fatiguing than spending a lot of time holding the clutch all the way in. Um, mm. yeah, I find that point. much more fatiguing and painful on my hand. Um, yep. And so, and I think partly because you're, you're just doing those tiny wee little movements anyway as you're kind of balancing as things yeah, are going. Yep. But uh, it's a personal thing. Um mm. But I, I feel like I'm much more in control when um, mm. staying in that uh, that's, that slow riding kind of place rather than a full mm. stop and then starting again. But, but totally agree with you that, yeah, that stopping starting from scratch is where you put a lot more pressure on yourself, particularly mm. you know, you, you've, you're under more pressure in peak hour traffic with 50 cars behind you to get it right. And then if you don't get it right, and we've all done this, every rider, I don't care who they are, has stalled their bike uh, in the middle of traffic. For real bonus points, do it when you've gone up to the front of a queue and you've lane filtered. And then you stall it taking off. And yeah, talk about pressure. Embarrassing. Mm -hmm. Embarrassing and pressure to very quickly get out there and get things right. Anyway, sorry, Kay, we didn't mean to go off on a tangent there. But I I think that is also um, part of the other thing that I think is really important, a basic skill. And that's around being really confident about finding first, second neutral. Um, Mm. So I think one of the things that is quite straightforward to practice as well as kind of slow riding skills is being really confident changing first to second to first to neutral to first and Mm -hmm. on and on so that you can shift into those really quickly and easily whilst maintaining control um, and, you know, a smooth kind of ride without having to think about it because as we'll talk to in a moment, there are so many other things that are happening that your Mm. kind of conscious active brain is going to want to be thinking about. If you can be managing the the mechanics or or similar of the bike um, almost with the background brain, then Mm. you're going to be able to be a lot more confident, I think, um, in terms of moving through traffic. Yeah, spot on. And that was something that as a rider safe instructor, occasionally we would get people who would be a little bit, you know, oh God, why do we have to do all this first gear, second gear, first gear, second (laughs) gear stuff? I just want to get out and work out how to get my knee down around corners. And it's like, yeah, in relative terms, like yes, for an extension activity, but grasshopper, until you can (laughs) snatch this pebble from my hand, then get back on your bike and learn that first, second neutral balancing rear brake and uh, throttle. Mm. And until you can do that, 
then all of this stuff, yeah, you will struggle in traffic. And there's this symbiotic relationship there that the more you ride in traffic, the more you'll be practicing those things, which is going to make you better at doing those things, which is going to make you better in traffic. Yes. And I would, I would also argue, I think in particular, being confident around how to change gears without thinking, knowing your friction zone, um, knowing how to control that balance on your bike is actually going to make you better at things like cornering oh. because you will be able to pick which gear to be in, where to yeah. you know, position all of that. It's going to be beneficial in multiple places. Yeah. And and it's maybe it's it's akin, I mean, Kay, you'd know better than I do, but you know, to, to playing scales when you're learning a musical instrument. <laughs> yes, it's boring. <laughs> and eventually when you learn how to do it and learn how to nail it properly, then it'll be the back the, the backbone of so many other things that you will do. Mm. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Anyway, Kay, but what else? Um so we talked about some of the those like you know, I suppose technical things Technic. around um, your techniques, and then there's I think the the broader idea around uh, understanding, managing, scanning the environment. Um, and so the first of those that I think is really important um, is about, as we've said previously, making yourself visible, um, mm. making yourself seen by other road users to the extent possible. Um, you know, everyone is managing a lot of extra information when you're in heavy mm. traffic. We've got multiple potentially lanes of vehicles around us. We've got people coming in and out and changing lanes and faster, slower, all sorts of things. Um, so positioning yourself on the road so that you are as much as possible visible to the other road users around you. Mm. Um, and so this is... I think where we've talked about before, like the different lanes um, and the bike, uh, sorry, the wheel tracks um, for other cars, but making mm -hmm. yourself seen by cars that might be coming in to the lanes uh, that you're on um, and where you might be wanting to move. I think a big part of being visible is about avoiding position, positioning yourself into a blind spot of another road user. Mm. Um, this is something that you can control. You can't control that they will actually then see you, <laughs> um, but you can at least make it possible for them to see you in one of the mirrors. So mm. if I'm in a situation with multiple lanes um, and there's you know, car on one side um, and I could, if I was going with the flow of the traffic move that would place me into their blind spot, I will often just slow down just a touch to make sure that I stay uh, visible through into the mirrors. And then once there's enough of a gap between me and the vehicle in front, then I might accelerate just a little bit to at least be equal, you know, at the side of mm. the vehicle on my side so that I'm in their blind spot for as little time as possible. Yep. Which is, know, Mark, which is I've similar. I've seen you do I, that too. Yeah, yeah. And it's I reckon we talked about this when we were just talking about general riding, about um, mm. your, your position and minimising risk by not, by, by not dwelling any longer than you have to in those mm. blind spots, in those other points of high risk, uh, because yeah, things are are unpredictable. Um, yeah, yeah. But best way to, to sort of manage that is to not be in those positions if if you can avoid it at all. So yeah, I think there's there's a lot to be said in that. Yeah, and I think again, similar to that idea of just kind of scanning. Um, being really vigilant, I think, about mm -hmm. head checks um, mm. and being really conscious about looking around for other road users around you. 
Um, so that includes keeping an eye on cars or vehicles that might be in front, behind, in the lanes to either side, um, and looking out for intersections um, that mm. might be coming in to join the, the road that you're on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's also yep, really yep. important to keep looking ahead in traffic to try mm-hmm. and anticipate if someone's breaking up earlier. Um, yeah, we probably already do that anyway um, when we're in another vehicle, but I think it becomes even more important in a motorbike um, to just be looking ahead and trying to anticipate. More important, but also a lot of the time easier because you will be mm. sitting up, maybe not able to look over four-wheel drives and trucks and things like that, but you <laughs> will have a better a, a better field of visibility to be able to ride further ahead than if you are in a, um, in a car or mm. in many cars anyway. So use that advantage. A lot of riding a motorbike is about using the advantages that that you have um, and that is absolutely one of them Um, and and the other thing that kind of relates to that uh, I think a throwback to I can't remember which episode it was but to uh, something I stole from stole from Mel hi Mel Uh, we'll get you off the CB125 soon Uh, (laughs) where in traffic she she uh, calls it um, knowing your neighbours yeah and I think it's a really good way of, of describing it. Wherever mm. you are, know your neighbours. Be conscious about who is around you. Again, mm-hmm. you probably should be doing it in a car anyway, but on a motorbike, yeah, that that advice is gold. Absolutely. And I think when you yeah when you do that, when you are looking out for the neighbours around you, getting a sense for them, um, I think one of the things that I find really important on a motorbike is trying to anticipate uh, impatience by other road users mm-hmm. um, and connecting back to trying to be visible. I've had quite a few instances in you know, multiple lane traffic where I might be going a little bit slower, vehicle user in car driver in another lane thinks that that's a gap and decides to pull out in mm-hmm. front. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now it's at a point where if I can see that the lane of traffic that I am in is moving faster than the lane next to me, more often than not, I am in expecting somebody to make a quick lane change into the one that right. I'm in. And so I will be looking for the tires to be shifting for the flash of an indicator um, or something just to get a sense of, is someone actually going to make that maybe questionable decision, but we've all done it, um, to, to change lanes. Um, and so then I can make sure that I, because I'm slow riding, I can just brake just a touch more and make sure that, that we're all kind of moving safely through that. Mm-hmm. And so that comes from, yeah, shout out Mel, um, knowing your neighbours, keeping a sense of who's around you and, and looking out for just kind of what's happening. And look, one more thing specifically for Adelaide drivers, odds are if, if you've grown up and lived in Adelaide, then you know that the space in front of you in your car is yours and nobody else may take that. <laughs> um, my advice on a motorbike is let it go. I mean, you mm. shouldn't in a car anyway, particularly if somebody wants to pull in front of you, back off, you're going to be able to lane filter past them anyway. So when Probably. you see young, angry or old angry person trying to dodge and weave and go as hard as they can in their car let them get in front and let them go if you're in heavy traffic because the first set of lights when you can lane filter past they are going to be a dot in your rear view mirror so seriously uh, don't sweat that stuff it's it's totally irrelevant on a motorbike Mm. and i think um yeah that 
connects back to a, a topic that is very popular that we talk about quite a bit, which is the idea of buffer zones. Um, mm. Yeah, and so that's about leaving enough space in front of you um, and around you so that you can be responsive if something happens or if someone's going to pull out into your lane or something like that. Um, yeah, and this can be a little bit challenging, I think, to maintain that buffer zone in mm. that heavy traffic. I don't yeah, know if it's, it's the same in other cities, but at least here people will just change uh, and they will change lanes very frequently and kind of zip around. So it's possible that people will take that buffer zone, um, but that's why we have it, so that uh, there's space for us to be able yeah. to respond and still stay safe. Yep. Um, thinking about uh, kind of changing lanes and similar, I personally... Um, in my risk averse kind of style, prefer to change lanes as early as possible. Um, if I know that I'm going to need to turn or similar at some point in the future when there's quite a bit of traffic, um, because I have found uh, that uh, cars are less likely to let me in when I'm on my bike than when I'm in a car. Um, and you know, even though got a teeny tiny little car that no one respects anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, if I try and take Harsh, change fair. lanes, um, I can at least got the safety of, you know, and all of the, the metal and plastic around me for a bit of safety. Mm. And I don't have that on a bike. Uh, so I prefer if I've planned out where I'm going to be going and I see that it's possible there's a gap to change lanes, I'm more likely to change lanes earlier and just stay, even if the traffic kind of moves or, or similar. Um just so that I know I'm not having to make a last minute, potentially more stressful change later. If you are a bit more confident, that might not apply. Um, but yeah, that's something that I like to do. And then I can maintain my buffer zones and just kind of keep an eye around what's happening around me. Hmm. Fair enough. And that I think is connected to the overarching theme there, um, which we talked about a little bit, which is really just claiming your space on the road. Um, and so this is about the idea that you have just as much right to be on that road as any other road user. Um, and I think particularly in, in traffic or in, in built up kind of areas where there's a lot of other vehicles around, it's, it can be helpful even just psychologically um, to think about staking your claim on that bit of road yeah. and positioning yourself accordingly. So this means, you know, rather than potentially riding over right to the side of you know, the, the curb of um, the road, positioning yourself behind the driver's side wheel of a car that you might be following, um, mm. generally speaking, although you can kind of shift around to make sure that you can see and be seen um, by drivers that might be around, um, but making sure that, you know, it's clear to other road users that you are there, this is your little bit of road, um, and not being an asshole about it, but just being confident and assured and assertive um, can be really, uh, really valuable, um, mm. particularly if you are new or wanting to build some confidence there, holding on to that idea that, yep, this is my bit of road, I've every right to be here, and this is where I'm riding. Fair enough. Very fair. <laughs> mm. So, Mark, did you have any other tips or thoughts? Um, yeah, a, a few that I would put in there. So, I mean, really reinforcing everything that you've you've said there. Particularly, I think about that 
about the basic skills mm. and the fact that it is both a challenge and an opportunity, a challenge-tunity um, <laughs> for you to be able to learn those real basics of stopping and starting mm. first, first gear, second gear neutral. Um, definitely about the importance, like, uh, all those buffer zones that we've that we've talked about before, just the heightened importance mm. of those and the challenge. It's it's just, I mean, city riding is like you know, riding in suburban traffic, just with everything compressed and a lot more crossroads, a lot more traffic lights. So it's just like, you, okay, you've leveled up, and now you're really starting to to play in there. And I think that's the same. You know, I was riding through uh, through Melbourne um, a couple of weeks ago mm. and it wasn't all that different except people let you in when you want to merge because they're not dickheads uh, <laughs> like here in Adelaide. And so, yeah, I could, I could just change, you know, put my indicator on and change lanes and people let me in without pulling out a club lock and trying to smash me into, into a bloody pulp. So it was quite nice actually. A lot busier, but yeah, mm. people could actually drive. So that was cool. Um other things, um, make as much eye contact as you can with other drivers, particularly mm. if they are drivers who are coming up to an intersection looking like or looking like they're trying to find a park, looking like they're trying, you know, they don't know where they're going. Yeah. yeah. If, um, not everybody is following Google Maps when they're in the city or sometimes they are and Google Maps just takes or any other navigating tool, sorry, no plug here for Google, uh, taking them in, you know, bizarre directions. Um, so make yeah make eye contact as much as you can with those around you. Um, mm. You might make new friends. It might be creepy. I don't know, but just make eye contact. Um, expect the unexpected. When you are in that much dense traffic and people are trying to get around, mm. uh, like I think riding through at riding or driving through Adelaide, sometimes it is really hard to work out where you can turn where you can turn right. Um, so some people will think they can go in a direction, then at the last minute they realise they can't, so they'll veer over as quick as they can into the other lane to try and get around the other way. So um, similar to suburban traffic, but I think, again, just more compressed, more mm. intense. So just expect everything that that could happen may happen, which comes back to what Kahi was saying about... Uh, your, your buffer zones, your road positioning, all of those sorts of things. Anticipating well. impatience, I think. Um, yeah. Yep. Is on 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 the part of other road users, and and you know, fair acknowledgement. We're also possibly likely to do that too. So yeah. Yeah. Um, and also remembering that you as a rider may think that you can go in a particular way through the city and then all of a sudden you've got to be the one that's got to make a really rapid, hell, mm. I need to get across three lanes of traffic because I now need to go left rather than right. Or crap, I found myself in the, in the wrong lane. So everybody's in the same boat in the city. It's just compressed, mm. uh, more, more complicated and, and lots more decisions may, being made on a lot more data by a lot more road users. Yeah. Um, now, one that kind of sticks with me a little bit. Um, <laughs> you, you make, yeah, you make a choice. You're either a motorcyclist or you're a cyclist. Now, if you're a cyclist, then you're riding something that doesn't have a motor aside from an electric powered motor, um, and you ride in car lanes. If you're a cyclist, great, you can ride in car lanes or bike lanes. If you're one of those people who uh, likes to head down on their 1,000cc bike down 
uh, down the bike lanes. Um, I mean, it's breaking the law, obviously, but this is also why car drivers hate us. Uh, yeah, it's quicker, but seriously, aside from the, the legalities of it, you're pissing everyone off, particularly mm. cyclists. Um, and you're also making and being a kind of lap cyclist at the moment, you're also putting yourself in a position um, where you're at risk of being doored yeah. by somebody just not thinking, opening up their door into a bike lane. When you're on a push bike and you're doing maybe 20, 20 25 k's now, that's still going to be enough to mess you up big time. Yep. If you're on a motorbike stonking down a bike lane at 60 k's an hour, seriously, just please just don't. Um, mm. So that's just more of a personal niggle. And I know I've got mates who do it and, yeah, shout out, Kieran, I've seen you do it. Uh, <laughs> judging you. I, I, no, no, I'm I not am. judging you. I'm <laughs> judging your actions. Okay, you are. Uh, lo- love you, man, but don't don't agree with that one. Um, and final one, I would say when you're in this, particularly when you're in the city, same in the suburbs, but even more in the city, just remember that all roads are not created equal. All paths mm. through a city are not created equal. Mm. You are going to find, particularly if you are a, a used to driving a car, you're used to just listening which way um, your GPS tells you to go as the optimal way of dodging, dodging traffic. Remember, they are designed for cars who cannot lane filter. Mm. So you will start to experiment. And I know, Kahiba, when you started riding into the city, I think you probably took a little while to work out what the best the best path was for you. Yeah. Um, it'd be interesting now if you were riding, uh, riding from here into the city, how that would be different as well, because I think you would probably, you know, the, the roads you would take on your motorbike because you can now lane filter because you've got your full, full license um, would be very different from the ones that you would go through the city in a car. Absolutely, yeah. Um, um, and I yeah. remember that from, you know, again, as you were kind of saying, when I first got uh, the R date licence and then able to lane filter, just to point out, on a learner's light permit currently in South Australia, you are not permitted to lane filter. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was very interesting because there were a couple of different routes I could have taken into the CBD from from where we were at that point. Um, some of them were much better suited to lane filtering right. just because the lanes are a little bit wider. Um, in particular, one road where you tended to have uh, quite a few cars parked on the left-hand side of mm. the lane, even though it was two lanes. Um, and even though it was supposed to be a clear way um, at peak hour, there would still often be cars parked in there, which would make it very challenging. And mm. the lanes were narrower. Um, and another road, far fewer cars parked on the side, generally speaking, and the lanes are a little bit wider, so it was a lot easier to lane filter. So even though um, navigation tools telling me the clearer one uh is supposed to take a little bit longer, actually on the motorbike it was far more efficient and easier to kind of get through and navigate um, for a bunch of different reasons, but particularly because the width and being a lot uh, a lot kinder to the idea of lane filtering. And then, yeah, from here I think yeah, we've tried totally. a few different routes into the CBD. Some of them a little bit easier than others on a motorbike versus on a car, peak hour versus normal times um, hmm. because of the nature of 
yeah, particularly clear ways and where cars tend to park um, on the side of the road and things like that. Um, so I definitely agree. I think, yeah, not all roads are created equal. There are also just thinking about the the state of the roads. <laughs> Some oh, of them yeah. um, are nicer for riding on a motorbike than others just uh-huh. because of, um, you yeah, where they've placed uh, the... Um, the different kind of covers and things um, and plates. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. You will all get to know that one corner in your city commute that has an, a, a metal inspection hole cover going down mm. to the sewers or wherever the hell it is that you just wish was a metre to either side. <laughs> yeah. As you know, particularly during the wet weather, your, your front tyre is going to want to go over that thing and it's going to be a nightmare every single time. Mm. Um yeah, I can I can think of mine. Um, and also mm. thinking about things like railway crossings, um, uh, tram lines. No, I don't want to think about railway um, crossings and tram lines. Yeah, Awful. That also comes back to the idea that some roads are going to be better suited for riding on a motorbike than others. Um, yeah, totally. And so just having a, a bit of an explore and thinking about those. Now, we haven't mm. touched on um, thoughts about lane filtering. Um, we've talked yeah. about that being an advantage and being quite useful mm-hmm. um, for navigating through the city. Um, I think the the idea of lane filtering itself um, can be, yeah, very, very beneficial when we're navigating through built-up traffic, um, assuming that you are uh, appropriately licensed um, to be legally able to do it. Um, the... I think the tips around that are, are still quite similar. That Definitely that idea of knowing your neighbours. So keeping an eye out for the space between the vehicles in front of you, making a judgment call around, um, yeah, are you going to fit um, or are you not? Some people's spatial awareness is better than others. <laughs> Mine is not so great. Uh, so I'm probably less likely to lane filter than, than other people unless I see someone else do it with what looks like a much narrower or much wider bike than mine and I'm confident mm-hmm. that I'll fit. Um, but that I think is still about just keeping an eye on the cars that are going through, that your vehicles that you're passing. Um, I've had a very f- small number of instances of uh, vehicles deciding to move closer to the centre between the two lanes to make it uh, difficult to impossible for me to continue filtering past. Um, I haven't had the experience of anyone kind of opening a door um, into the lane, which I'm you know, thankful about. I have had quite a few instances actually of vehicles moving out away from the middle to make more space, uh-huh. um, which is always really nice. Um, and so in that kind of context, we're not quite sure, have to be a little bit, I think, cautious. Um, you know, it's quite important I think to again be practicing that slow riding so that as you're filtering through you are riding as smoothly and in as straight a line as possible so that you're Hmm. avoiding potentially heading into the vehicles on either side of you Um, which is why uh, going at a slower speed is very important um, as well as being part of the law around uh, lane filtering Um, so I think that that becomes really important. It's still the same basics, slow riding, control, 
keeping an eye on your surroundings um, mm. and expecting the unexpected that might kind of happen. Mark, any tips from you? Oh, I just think that uh, I, mean, I agree with everything you've said. I think if we're talking about riding in a city environment is like riding anywhere else in the suburbs in heavy traffic just compressed and with a lot more data, then lane filtering is upping the ante again because mm. you are now taking the third lane. That <laughs> sneaky that sneaky little bit of varying widths and varying quality uh, of road between the cars. Uh, do check out your local laws for that. We're talking yeah. about, um, so for us in South Australia, it's legal to lane filter at no more than 30 k's an hour. Uh, you can't do it when you're on your learner's. Um, you can only do it between two lanes. Mm. You can't do it in a bike lane or on the outside. That's pretty much say? that's the main things I can recall. Yeah, I think those are the mm. main things. But uh, yeah, it is. It's it's definitely something like I, I agree that you shouldn't be able to do it on your on your learners. Uh-huh. I think it's something learn how to walk before you can run. Lane filtering. Yeah, yeah. That I. Uh, uh, Probably do another episode on lane filtering one day, but anyway. <laughs> it is, uh, it's no. handy to be able to do, particularly in built-up uh, traffic and, and slow-moving traffic. Um, mm. And, oh, boy, does it feel good uh, to oh. be able to go past. Totally, yeah. I think the same thing on a, on a bicycle. That's really nice when you're zooming up the bike lane yeah. um, <laughs> past a whole bunch of vehicles that are pretty much standing mm. still. Oh, it feels good. Uh, and it is one of the yeah. big bonuses. It's one of the, the biggest mm. bonuses of of having a motorbike in heavy traffic that if if the local laws allow it, which most mm. I think do, then, yeah, you are not sitting there stuck in traffic, moving absolutely nowhere. Um, and for, for anybody that uh, lives on places where they regularly travel, expressways or other really large carriageways uh wait until you have your first situation where there's a breakdown on one of those but because they're all so large and wide that you can comfortably lane filter the whole way yeah i have made up masses of time on uh, the, the southern expressway here where something's happened and the traffic is at walking pace at best and i can just plot along okay it's doing 30 but it's still it's still moving it's not sitting in a traffic jam for mm. you know one hour two hours so hmm. yeah definitely anyway, good that's it for me so I think the the overall kind of takeaways, uh, thinking about riding, riding in traffic, riding in a city, riding in built up areas, hopefully um, kind of what, what, what we're hearing is it's possibly not as scary um, as we think it might be. It's, it's the general other places that you might be riding just kind of up to the ante a little bit. Um, mm. And it can be really valuable to just experiment and explore and learn um, about you as a rider and about your bike and also about the, the space in the city that you're in. Mm. Yep, absolutely. Uh, I think you can, I mean, you can almost think of yourself in heavy traffic like in a city or really heavy traffic anywhere. Think of yourself as a pilot fish swimming amongst <laughs> a pond of whales. You've got you've got a lot of advantages there because you are so small that mm. you can sneak through gaps that others have zero chance of fitting through, no matter how fast their car is, no matter how big their car is, 
it doesn't matter because you can make the most of your of your size and your agility so long as you are also conscious that you are you are more exposed um, and that's the that's the the trade-off you have to be cognizant of mm, absolutely and I think um, there's a uh, yeah, and another point there, just around enjoying the challenge and the benefits. Mm. So, yeah, you are – there is a little bit more risk as a motorcyclist than in a car, as we're all aware of, but you are smaller, you're more nimble, and, you know, there are some real pros about riding in the city, riding in these built-up areas um, once you get your confidence up. And so those some of those specific things um, that uh, can be useful to practice um, – we talked about slow riding, balancing the throttle, clutch and the rear brake, um, practicing, you know, going from first to second and back, um, that six to 20 K as an hour kind of um, speed um, and practicing just kind of positioning yourself on the road and looking around for other road users. Those are all things that we're probably already doing anyway um, and actually – you know, riding in the city, riding in that traffic is a great place to practice that as well. Yep. And I think the, the, the final thing that I would say that kind of wraps all that up is that there, once you get your head around it, I mean, yes, uh, absolutely what Kahi was said, learn, uh, maybe there's a bit of a step up in the learning process, but uh, the enjoyment and the benefit you will get out of it once you master it, uh, I would say there is nothing... Well, a few things as satisfying as the smugness that you can have when you rock into the office or rock into somewhere in the city, <laughs> listening to people saying, oh, God, the traffic out there was such a nightmare. And you say, oh, didn't really notice. Um, yeah. So it, it is, yeah. yeah. Work, work at it, overcome the little bit of challenge that it will be to get going in the city. And in the long term, the, the, the smugness that you can lord over others is worth every bit of the effort that it takes to get your head around it. That's all I want to say. As well as some of the other pros that we talked about, yeah, like the the parking being free slash cheap and, and a couple Which of those we'll other things. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I do just want to make a quick shout out to Crystal from the Women Two Wheel South Australia group um, for mm-hmm. this question. Um, and uh, hopefully this has been helpful for you as well as everybody else listening and, and watching. Mm-hmm. Next episode, Mark. Yes, we've we touched briefly on this a couple of times, but parking. Mm. Uh, I've I've seen this come up a few times on the forums. I've seen some uh, very good and utterly awful examples of parking motorbikes. So we're going to talk a little bit about some of the general rules, some of the challenges, some of the opportunities, some of mm-hmm. the gotchas, and help people work out how how to make the most out of, again, your much smaller vehicle that can park in a whole bunch of different ways if you know how to do it well. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. I know parking for me is is something that, yeah, sometimes a little bit more confident some days than others, uh, but it is one of the nice things about having a motorbike and being able to fit in places um, that other vehicles might be a bit more challenged. So until next time, please stay safe and have fun. Beyond the Pillion is brought to you by Kahiwa Sabaya and Mark Drexler and Woman Moto, the online magazine for women motorcyclists. Go to womanmoto.com. 
follow us on Instagram and YouTube at Beyond the Pillion. Drop a comment or send us a DM to let us know what you want to hear more about. And if you like this episode, please leave a review or tell a friend.